Thank you for tuning in to the NES experience. Uh, this is Ned, along with my host, ass, or hostess, co-host. Ho- host ass? Co-host, co-host, Tay. How are you, Tay? Uh, I was doing pretty good until I, I got called a host ass. I don't even know what... We're, that means got you got... into a bit. I'm not a host. This is your thing. I'm just here to help out with the procedural doings. Co-host. You, co- you, I'll take co-host. Okay, we'll go with co-host. So co-host, uh, the reason why this is mildly delayed is because I had to shake the Osama bin Laden vibe for our YouTube videos that are really knocking it out of the park. Uh, what do you think of the background? Do you notice anything? Uh, I'm a big Rocky guy, so I like the Rocky poster. I like the uh, the sign stuff in the back. That's pretty dope. Uh, but then... Your head's blocking the middle of it a bit, but that's a good thing for background. Got are those state championship rings? No, but they are the state championship rings are gonna go in the box with the autograph baseballs. Oh, nice! But I actually put a couple cards up. Uh, I got Mike Tyson rookie card, so I basically part of this wall is the brainchild of NES and. <clears throat> More personally, what Ned loves in life. So, favorite players, movies, uh, mostly ath- athletic type things. But yeah, I got to get Jordan on the wall. Greatest basketball player of all time. I got Mike Tyson. Favorite baseball player, Cal Ripken Jr. and Nolan Ryan. That's going on the wall. I got Pete Rose. Nothing says blue collar like Pete Rose. Uh, Rocky. Nothing says blue collar like Rocky Four. Uh, I personally believe the best movie of the Rockies. And uh, we got Bo Jackson, although I hate people playing multiple sports. He was the best to do it. And uh, a bunch of balls. And I am just creating my man cave studio right now. And it's fantastic. God, I love the man caves. I got, uh, I I wouldn't describe it as a man cave for myself because you could see the little Christmas tree lights and stuff. But I got a little space where I set my computer down and we record record our stuff. Um, I am somehow already blanking on the thing I'm supposed to ask you for this intro, so that's great. I played a round of golf and I haven't been eating intermittent fasting. I am a mess. Uh, shower hair, gotta love it. Uh, speaking of shower hair and seasons, it is beta alanine season. And you love beta alanine, Ned. I believe you just said, speaking of seasons, and how did seasons play a role in beta alanine? <laughs> give me that, give me that smooth transition again. Yeah, it's uh, like I said, I've been going through it. So uh, I saw seasons on the thing. Seasonal topics. We're talking about seasonal. We, topics. we are talking about seasonal topics, and tis the season of being in your off season for baseball and needing to gain weight. Um. So baseball guys are back, and I wanted to cover something that I usually don't recommend, uh, honestly, only because of cost. But I believe that, you know, for athletes that are, you know, returning for the third, fourth, fifth season, it's a good way. The easiest bump for performance and weight gain is creatine, obviously. But beta alanine is really almost better. Uh, but the problem is the way that they tell you to dose it is one or two a day, which is 1.6 grams. That's not enough 
<clears throat> nearly enough um, amount to actually elicit a response. So um, you really want to be in the four to five gram range. Um, and the way that they do it is they say a 1.6. So um, with beta alanine, what is it? It's a lactic acid buffer. Um, when you left muscles get very acidic and the pH level raises and what beta alanine does is it drops the pH level or the acidity in the blood, which allows you to perform more total work. So when your muscles burn, that's usually when you get the, I can't do this rep anymore. And what this does is it buffers the lactic acid to allow you to get <clears throat> whatever your percentage rep max is for more times, which, uh, which is going to allow you to get more work. If you're in the off season trying to get bigger, you, if you do more total volume, um, that's going to help with the size component. It also helps with strength and power <clears throat> and recovery time. So um, if you are taking it, obviously we use Thorn. That is our go-to because of the absorption rate in it. Um, <clears throat> we generally say 4.8 to 6.8 grams. That would be three pills two times a day or four pills two times a day. Um, it does take like six to eight weeks to kick in, so it's not something that's going to work overnight, but we've had all the pro guys take it. There's more on the line, but I'm starting to make a case for high school and college kids to jump in because if you do it and you do it consistently, that's another thing. If you're a bad pill taker, like – Oh, I take it like once a day or I mean, you got to take it twice a day, seven days a week. Um, if you can do that, uh, it'll work out well for you. But if you're an inconsistent pill taker, taking it once every three days, you're just wasting your money because it is expensive. Have you ever taken beta alanine, Tay? Uh, so I'm pretty sure I have. Pretty sure it was with you. I'm bad on names, bad on things. Like I said, I'm going through it. Beta alanine, black betas. They're the same, correct? Black betas are the same thing, yes. Love them. And they were, the black betas by 8-Ball were the real deal best beta alanine ever. And second best is the thorn ones that we use now. But, so yes, you were part of the best. Uh, um, taking high volumes, we used to just destroy guys' legs. And by taking 8, 10 pills of those, people were barely sore from doing a whole bunch of volume so recovery time is a big thing also so beta alanine if you are listening to this and you can put some scratch together uh come to me dm me text me and i'll get you set up on that number two seasonal topic dunkin donuts uh they have a new uh death coffee out it's called the pumpkin swirl frozen coffee with cream <clears throat> dante can you guess how many grams of sugar there are in a 32 ounce pumpkin swirl frozen coffee with cream. So I believe I could be wrong, but I think a caramelized coffee is a hundred grams. So I'm going to say 150 grams. That is a great guess, uh, but it's actually 187 grams, which is the equivalent of the amount of sugar in over a dozen uh, donuts. So that's 6.5 pure ounces. So take the, the sugar out of the cabinet, start scooping, and just start scooping spoonfuls 
onto the measure till you get to six and a half ounces, a third of a cup. It's a little under a third of a, a little over a third of a cup of pure sugar and this dumpster fire of a coffee that people are going to start bringing in and being like, oh, this isn't healthy. I mean, it tastes like a candy bar in a glass. I don't understand. Fat people. Come on, man. Yeah, I'm guilty of it too. Because I got a sweet tooth. But usually in my head, I know if I'm grabbing a caramelized coffee from Dunkin' One, I only put two pumps of caramel in it usually now. Because you can like tick down the pumps. They usually put four in a large. That's way too much. Terrible. It's just a terrible idea. Uh, What you should do is, if you are going to do something like that, get a medium with one single pump with some of that artificial sweetener in it and then stir it around. It's a way for you to chop off, you know, a hundred of those grams of sugar and only get in like 20. If you do really need the flavored iced coffee, do one pump or to like it. Uh, I, I will say too, if we're just kind of, cause we don't, we don't do sponsors. We don't have sponsors. We just do endorsements. We endorse things. Uh, real quick endorsement if i can endorse a thing stella blue coffee i grab that stuff i don't usually go to dunkin donuts anymore stella blue coffee like i don't know the flavor of it everything just really about it that's my jam right now rocking that that. is that in the refrigerated section uh no i I buy it online um through like the website yeah talk me talk me through price per cup man with this biden inflation i can't deal with paying a lot of money for coffee so this so what i do i I think it's 15 bucks for a bag of their cold brew when their cold brew is like you get like six pouches they give you like a little pouch of like coffee and you take two pouches and you put them in it's a liter a pouch so i put two liters of coffee in the refrigerator i put two pouches in I sit it overnight, and then I have coffee for like two, three days. And it, it's just give cool. me the final price breakdown. If I'm going to Dunkin' Donuts, I'm paying three bucks, even though I rarely do oh, that. No, you're you're probably more than that. They pumped up their prices. All right, four like bucks. Four. What is Blue Ice Coffee, or whatever the hell it's called? What is that costing me for the same thing, side by side? Just give me the number. Is it a buck? So it's six liters of coffee at fifteen dollars. Um, so any math people out there, but then if you, so I, I mean, it's gotta be less than a buck a cup or maybe less, like maybe like two bucks a cup, but it's, it's got, I mean, if it's two bucks a cup, that's too close to $3 a cup. I'm, I'm terrible. This is all man. I'm really going to put in the blender now. Cause if you're trying to do ounces, the thing, you know, I'll say this. All right. Text it to me tonight. I think you could get at least 10 cups of coffee minimum. I'm talking like a good, like a 16 ounce ounces to to liters who knows i'll text you next moving on so the answer is no endorsement i'll do the financials and beta test it and if it's good then then you can give the endorsement anyway so moving on to the name the main topic um it was hamden hall's first football game last week it was a dumpster fire war zone um situation where basically we have short numbers we have 23 kids on a team basically everybody plays both ways we have special teams to deal with and it was low-key hot it was one of those 74 degree days with zero 
mile an hour winds and a hundred percent sun. And we were going into the second half and all my guys, the NES guys, you know, we all, we already know I've been doing this for eight years. I'm actually the director of cramping at Hamden Hall. Uh, handle, I handle all the big situations, state championship game, girls basketball, uh, girl cramped with three minutes left and they screamed my name and I had to run out and fix the problem. So I've done a lot of research on cramping and it's crazy because just every, there's so much misinformation, which is part of the reason why, you know, I wanted to do this topic because from the things that are doing people that are doing to prepare to the recommendations of what's going on, you know, when it's going on, it's just wrong. And I always have like, what should I do? What should I do? Well, why not? We do a podcast. And then when somebody says what's going on with the cramping, I can say, just listen to the podcast. So the game, when the game started in the third quarter, everybody started cramping up. We did all of our things that we could do to prepare. And then it's guy comes off trying to get him recovered from the cramp and back on the field as soon as possible because most of the players that were cramping are all the impact players that don't leave the field that have to do you know the most work and when you start to combine all of these things like the temperature with they, they've done a lot of research and imagine this the most frequent amount of times cramping is football camp when guys go back in august and football camp starts So people don't acclimate into conditioning, you know, step-by-step to prepare somebody to play a game. It's, okay, let's do nothing, and then camp shows up. And, yes, you're supposed to be doing things on your own, but kids just get overworked. That's when the research article that I read said 98% after week one, and then 74% week two, week three was 40%, and week four was 4%. So as they continue to, to go through camp and through the first month of football, the percentage of crampers significantly decreased. So also football is the most common sport where cramping occurs. Calves are the most muscle, you know, that's being used, bigger muscles that contract with physical specimens. You start to put it all together and it makes a whole bunch of sense. Um, but we've been through it before. And I go to the home games and basically try and talk everybody through it and get everybody through it to keep them on the game. So um, that is the origin of the podcast. So we're going to talk about why it happens, the crazy misinformation that occurs with it, and then the proper treatment if you do have one. Um, What's your history of cramping, Tay? Yeah, uh, I've actually never been a huge cramper like playing athletics and stuff um don't really know why uh tried to stay as hydrated as possible things like that uh used to eat a lot of bananas a big myth believer there um but i i will say this though i will get random cramps like calf cramps hip cramps leg cramps whatever maybe like a month or two ago i was sitting in a ch- like this chair actually uh work from home from time to time and i got a cramp and i just threw myself on the ground to try and stretch it out because it was it was uh it was like in my hip almost like you know like kind of like you know in your ass because i am a host ass um and just was like riling around on the ground in pain trying to get stretched out for like a minute or two so when they happen they suck they do suck so why does it happen people don't they don't exactly know part of the problem with cramping is 
it's too difficult to predict, therefore it's too hard for labs to get a lot of information and research on it to try and create a plan to prevent them so they're not preventable um, and treat them. So treatment varies from person to person. So there's a bunch of things that you can do and they will work with some people, most people, not all people. Um, so, but generally the reason why it happens is, you know, severe muscle contraction, repeated intense bouts of, of activity are basically going to cause that thing to involuntary. It's a, a cramp is an involuntary contraction um, that you have to voluntarily fix the problem for something that's happening involuntary. Um, so things that they do know that there's, and these are their hypothesis. The hypothesis is there's a, a disturbance in between the balance of um, water and salt in the body. So this is where people have taken it and ran with everything with your Gatorade and your electrolytes and your minerals and this and that. So um, that is one aspect. And then the second hypothesis is basically there is some sort of neurological drive that is not occurring to the muscles, um, <clears throat> which is causing them to go into, you know, hyper contraction. So um, they found that it happens mostly in hot temperature, um, during frequent about of frequent bouts of intense exercise. So, um, the, the electrolyte imbalance thing is just, uh, it's a thing. It's a small piece of it and it gets buried and overdone so much. So, you know, overhydrating is something, you know, that I'm going to talk about more under the myth central category, but, you know, and then there's always, and there's some truth to this poor condition. If you're not in shape, meaning if you've done nothing and then you got to go out there and work really hard, then yeah, you're going to get cramps, but I'm not, we're not talking to those people. Uh, and that's not kind of the situation we're talking about your LeBron James. Why do I always bring up LeBron James in the NBA finals? Cause LeBron James is a cramper. Um, but if cramping was preventable, the guy who spends $2 million a body on $200 a year on his body was, should be able to, you know, have had that answer and not have it happen in the most important series that he probably lost. Did he lose? I mean, he's cramped he in multiple loses finals. almost all of them. Like there's only a two, three that he's won. Well, maybe he should... Maybe you should do my way of uh, getting back on the, the court quicker, and then maybe he would be out there longer to help his team win. Uh, um, maybe he should just be better. Yeah, he could be better. Nice, no, thanks. Um, so, but generally, you know, and these are things that get brought up by football coaches. Oh, you're cramping because you're not in shape. I mean, these guys are in shape. They've been they've already went through training for the summer and they've been through camp and they're, they're in shape. This isn't a bunch of, uh, you know, couch watching inactivity, sedentary old people. So we, you know, me personally, what I noticed is the more athletic, the super twitchy guys, the super athletic guys that create huge forces, uh, those guys cramp more. You don't see the average to below average, <clears throat> you know, 
slow you don't see slow guys really cramp you don't see not explosive guys really cramp now is that because they are not generating and putting this the the strenuousness on their muscles i don't know but i did notice that your impact players but the impact players are playing two and three ways which goes into the not letting anything recover and always being out in the field and then just the cramps coming so um there's it's just there's a whole bunch of i don't know um in a lot of this but well speaking of i don't know things that we do know that over hydrating doesn't do anything so people were getting to the point where they're drinking two and three bottles of Pedialyte. So things that you should drink, yes, water, Gatorade, Pedialyte. Pedialyte is the best of the three. Uh, I'm pro Pedialyte guy. I am for having that at the game. You only need one bottle. You're only going to drink half the bottle maybe during the whole thing because it's concentrated. Um, But people are drinking multiple bottles at night and then multiple bottles before the game. And they're washing their Pedialyte down with their Gatorade, and then they're washing their Gatorade down with their water while they're eating their bananas and drinking their pickle juice, and they're throwing up on the sideline. It's, that is that is what I see. I had the kid a couple of years ago pounding yellow mustard because it's going the I need salt. So if I just, great. So like, you're just gonna, and then this is all the myths. And it's like, great. So you're gonna, eat this mustard and then you're just not going to cramp anymore. Then why the fuck wouldn't I just walk around with a bottle of French's that's fucking 99 cents. I'll get the generic. And then I'm just firing shots into people's mouths. I don't have to miss the whole game because I don't have to stretch anybody out because they're not cramping. I'm not spending 30 or $40 on a bottle for another company that doesn't pay me dick that I'm going to promote hammer nutrition. I wouldn't be buying, you know, $40 bottles of these pills to give them all of the athletes if I could just shoot French's in everybody's mouth and make it rain like 4th of July at Coney Island. So um, that is just dumb. So the myths that I want to go over. So overhydrating, how much water should I have? Everybody's like, how much water should I have? Just drink like a gallon a day. If you're a little bit under, that's fine. And if you're big, beefy in a sweater, a little bit over, you're good. Your hydration should be starting early in the week. You shouldn't be sitting there the night before or an hour before being like, man, I got to get hydrated because the problem is your body only absorbs 40 to 70% of the liquids that you're taking and you're pissing the rest out and your body can only hold so much water. So you just need to be hydrated, not saturated when you're, you know, fueling yourself, you know, for the game. Um, I gave the rank order Pedialyte is the best, then Gatorade, and then water as far as what to take in. Having that at the game, drinking like a normal human is a good thing. You got to keep in mind some of these places don't even have Gatorade, uh, which will be named nameless. Um, And then, you know, the fruit thing. I'm tired of the bowls of the fruit out there before the game. Well, great. Once again, I'd rather, yeah, I'll buy a banana. If I could just buy everybody a banana. There, it's 49 cents a pound. Get 10 pounds of bananas, you know. I, I, I mean, I'll ten dollars in bananas on money. No, dumb. And people are going by the oh, you need minerals and electrolytes. Uh, and the minerals, yeah, but y'all should be eating like a banana every day, anyways, if you're an athlete. 
So, but you know, I had one kid eat like seven or eight bananas. My stomach hurts. Well, no shit. Me eat seven fucking bananas. Just think about what your shit's going to be in about 12 hours. So the, you know, all of those things, you just, that doesn't work. Pickle juice doesn't work. So I had an athlete come up to me and there was Dr. Google who said, uh, that pickle juice, it has now been proven that pickle juice reduces the cramping or can prevent cramping. So I was like, yeah, you are, you read that. All right, well, you send me what it was. They didn't even read it. And it was, it was basically pickle juice reduces cramping in cirrhotic individuals. These are people with cirrhosis of the liver. So they, the, 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 it was, they took a bunch of people with cirrhosis of the, the, the liver and part of the side effects of that is cramping because of the cirrhosis of the liver and the role that the liver plays in, you know, dehydration uh, and tissues. And, and those people, so they're like sitting in a chair, it's like, ah, cramp. So if you, in that scenario and situation, pickle juice can help you. But I, that's, do you know how small niche of a population that is? But people don't look into what it is. They just read one thing because whenever they type it in, it just shows like the highlighted two sentence box, but they don't read anything around it or where it came from. So if you have cirrhosis of the liver, then yeah, you want to, you know, I would definitely implement pickle juice into your diet. Um, it it sounds like that kid just went on to Google Scholar where they pull up those like academic research papers that people spend like four years putting together and was just like pickle juice, good hydration and just went for whatever the first thing popped up was because there's not a lot of people with psoriasis of the liver playing athlete, uh, playing athletes, playing sports. Yeah, but I mean, pickle juice is being handed out to to high school, college and NFL teams right now. And that's gross. Pickle juice is gross. I like pickles. I'm a huge pickle person. But pickle juice is disgusting. Uh, a little mustard in the pickle juice? Yeah, no, pickle juice is gross. Um and the mustard and this thing is the only thing grosser than that is mustard. Um So I got to mix it in there. Got a nice little concoction there. I don't think a single person would be able to drink that and not puke. So I think we've covered the pickle juice thing uh, pretty extensively. Um, as far as like what foods to eat, you know, there's all these. I mean, part of this is like everybody's always what to eat the night before a meal and pasta dinner or the night what to eat the night before a game. And then you have people smashing the the high absorbing, high sugar carbs like spaghetti, like piece of shit white 99 cents a box spaghetti piles of that the night before uh good news uh, all those carbs do hold in water so if you're worried about losing too much water i mean that's the case but you actually don't want to eat all of that what you want to have um brown rice or something whole wheat still carbs still holds in water <clears throat> but you don't need to pump your body full of sugar the night before that's not necessarily the move um when you, you know, rubbing a muscle is a big thing. So this more goes into the treatment. Um, 
component. So I guess we'll talk about planning and treatment. Um, you want to, if you have calves that cramp all the time, you're going to want to spend multiple times a day foam rolling using the, the, the hypervolt, um, doing tissue work on that muscle and stretching it because it gets tightened. It's usually, it's because they're overdeveloped anyways. So by working on those muscles, which goes into what you can do the night before, as opposed to just walking out there and then keeping with that stretching mobility concept, you got to warm up the right way. So especially when you start to look at temperatures, if you are going into super cold weather and you don't warm up and you're super tight, you're going to be more likely to cramp quicker. So a solid warm up and activation and rolling and doing tissue work before a game is going to help delay because ultimately what we're trying to do is delay um, the cramps and have them. If you are a cramper, some people don't cramp at all and no matter what they do, they ain't going to cramp. And some people, no matter what they're going to do, they're going to cramp. This podcast is more about those people that are going to cramp and how do we handle it once we get it and get you back into performance as soon as possible. So um, planning, same thing with water I covered already. You want to have, you know, up to a gallon a day. Don't overdo it. Don't underdo it. Um, we covered food and the tissue work. And then <clears throat> our shameless plug goes to Hammer Nutrition and Duralite Extreme. These are pills that if you are watching on YouTube, I am holding it up and it's actually looks the right way. Looks like Chinese when I'm looking at it right now. Um, these guys we've been using for eight years and they're basically electrolyte replacement pills. So instead of eating your, you know, 10 bananas before the game, you could just kind of have a couple of these pills and it basically covers all the things that we talked about. Everything is in this pill. Um, and I have found that this is the only product that can, that does a good job of delaying cramps for them to come as late as possible and having the, the least amount of reoccurrences as possible. So we start taking these the night before, and then we take one before the game. And then after the first quarter, second quarter, so I just look like a pill popper or a drug dealer out there on the sideline. Um, and we give them to the athletes. So that's what allowed us to get to the third quarter of this game before, you know, shit hit the fan and everybody started cramping up. Um, so assuming you are hydrating, eating the right foods, foods, doing the warm up and the tissue work and taking your pills, you've done everything that you could do. Now it's just sit there and wait. So you sit there, you compete, and then finally you get a cramp. So now we have to talk about what to do when you get the cramp. Believe it or not, it's common sense, but I do see things done the wrong way. So when a cramp occurs, uh, the muscle shortens and it's super painful. And the only way to get it to go away, it ain't just going to, you can't just stare at it. I've seen that happen. People just staring at it or rubbing it. It's your calf is cramping up into a ball. It looks like the size of a softball and you're just rubbing it and the rubbing ain't doing anything. So you basically have to lengthen the muscle and it's going to be hard. You're going to try and pull it up. It's going to be fighting against you. It's an involuntary muscle contraction and you have to voluntarily get it in the length that it's supposed to be. You have to get it in its optimal length as soon as possible. The longer that it's cramped, the longer that it's contracted and balling up, the more damage that it's doing and the longer that it's going to take to recover. So 
what you don't want to do is when you get a cramp on the field, I see this, they get a cramp and then they can't get off the field. And then they're like being carried off the field. The, the, the process of getting rid of the cramp starts when you're on the field and that happens. And the problem is athletes don't necessarily know what to do. They're just telling people it, it's always, and they're got, you got your equipment on and everything and it's tough, but it's like, I'm cramp, cramp, cramp. And then everybody just stares at them and it just gets tighter and tighter and tighter. If you, if you can catch a cramp within two seconds and get it, the muscle in a lengthened position, it's going to do very little damage and you're going to have to spend very little time on the sideline um, to get back on the field. If you let it ball up and wait and let it and still have the cramp after 45 seconds of being carried off the field, then you're treating it. Then you could get somebody on the sports medicine team that doesn't know how to do it the right way and they could just stare or they might not have the strength to pull them, you know, if you've ever had a calf cramp or if you've ever strengthened, you know, tried to do it yourself. I mean, really it's a blend of you, you're pulling up and the, the it's hard to do. Um, but you want to get it lengthened as soon as possible. So now the current situation is we have our cramp and we get it in a lengthened position. And this is the part that every single athlete hates. And it's, keeping it up long enough to shut the muscle off and to get it to calm down and basically forget what's going on. And that is the mind numbing process of two to five minutes. And it's case by case basis. What most people do is they get the muscle in the length and position. It goes away, right? It's like, all right, I'm good. And then you go back out there and you go back too soon. And within one play, 30 seconds, 10 seconds, it cramps again. And then that's the reason, then you restart at zero. It's not, you just lost that time for no reason. So the goal is to not have the relapse for as long or the, not have it come back for as long as possible. That's why you have to spend more time in the beginning, two to five minutes um, to basically get the thing shut off. You shut it off. Now we're ready to turn it back on. So we'll do, you want to actively active dynamically stretch the muscle and wake it back up and then after you do that then you want to dynamically move around with the muscle in a lengthened position and then then you want to keep the muscle in a lengthened position which means if you have a calf cramp you want to walk around like a penguin on the sideline one of my guys actually got yelled at by the coach because and imagine this he only cramped once he never cramped again because anytime he was on the sideline, he wasn't getting all those extra muscle contractions of the calf and for no reason. So he was picking his spots and only using his calf when he needed to use his calf. And the coach is screaming at him, why are you walking around like that? I can't put you back in. He's like, coach, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just doing this so I can. He's trying to explain to the coach and the coach is in the middle of the game and he didn't want to hear it. So... Um, but the, I mean, the shit works because that's what I do. Sometimes I wipe people's visors off and sometimes I hold people's water. Sometimes I get them Gatorade. Sometimes I yell at the freshmen to cheer. And sometimes I handle the millions of cramps that come to try and get these guys out there as soon as possible. That's the behind the scenes, uh, story. So, um, that kind of covers... I don't want you to give your Pedialyte. And I feel like we don't have, I don't have to ask you about Pedialyte because you're probably the guy that would drink four bottles of Pedialyte within a 24 hour period. 
Nope, nope, nope. Only two. Um, and it wasn't a 24-hour period. It was two bottles of Pedialyte, uh, four bottles of water, uh, and I would sit and I would play uh, three hours or four hours of a PS2 video game called Kingdom Hearts. And that was my night from about 6 to 10, 10.30. Oh, so you did good, do, good time. You did good some preparation. You were you were proactive, not reactive. Oh yeah. And I I all I did was drink water. I was never a soda drinker, so it was just water, electrolytes, stuff like that for me. So I was I was lucky. Never got into the cramp. Although um I do remember I used to get really bad cramps when I was coming back from my ACL surgery. Like you said, I was out of shape and I was trying to get back into it. Kind of like, you know, you're just getting into football camp, but you haven't done things in the off season. You can't just expect to show up and not cramp. Um, and then I threw a touchdown pass to my buddy, uh, Elijah in high school. Uh, he ran like a wheel route and then he wound up reversing the field, like at the end to get away from the safety, but he probably ran about a hundred yards. And at the cramp. end of it, yeah, cramp just laid down in the end zone. And we all ran over to him. It was exactly like you said. We we're like, you good? You good? He's like, cramp, 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 cramp. We we're like, oh, everyone just let him do his thing. But he was good. He stretched. He was, he was fine. It was his own cramp. Touchdown. There you go. All right. There's my stance. Uh, if you have any questions, if you are a cramper, I can give you the information to get the Enduro Light Extreme pills. Highly recommend them. Oh yeah, we're we're endorsers. Enduro Light Extreme Hammer. It's a red bottle, or it's a white bottle with a little red on it, and it says Hammer. If you're not watching the YouTube and want a little little visual description, um, and it says full spectrum, and that's highlighted in red. So yeah, I think I'm not gonna make the same mistake because I'm not a fast learner. I'm a slow learner, but I do learn. I'm not going to ask you if you have anything else for us today. I have a feeling that you don't. You've said your piece. I will say this, though. I like the Boston College shirt. I have one very similar to it. It's the NES experience. <laughs>